Recorded live. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Shadrach first. And welcome to um, my recording of the time now. It's 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 o'clock p.m. Central. And um, today, um, the topic is going to be about legal force. Um, I'm going to title this particular uh, audio, Legal Force to the Rescue. Um, but before I get into um, that, I wanted to um, announce that Guatemala has now established their embassy in what has been deemed as the capital of Israel, um, uh, which is Jerusalem. And um, a couple of days before that, the United States also set up their embassy in Jerusalem. Um, it's caused quite a stir. Of course, there's been a lot of um, uh, there's been a lot of uh, uprising in uh, Israel uh, between Israel and the Palestinians uh, because of it. Um, months before, actually, uh, months and months before, like maybe even last year, when the news broke that the United States was actually going to uh, uh, recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Um, of course, it got back to the UN. Of course, the UN um, they pretty much null and void it. But it was a vote. It was up for a vote. It's like 128 votes or 129 votes, I think. And 35 people abstained, or 35 countries abstained, and nine countries, which included the United States, Guatemala, and Israel. Three out of or three, which were included in the nine that actually voted for the um, uh, the go ahead with um, establishing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and along with that, at the same time, Trump decides that they're now going to move their embassy from Tel Aviv to the now um, uh, United States declared capital of Israel. Now, hopefully I'm not rambling, but I'll get to my point in just a second, um, and, and what it has to do with legal force. Now, in regards to the legal force title, uh, many may not necessarily know why uh, the United States has decided that they're going to recognize uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and it all has something to do with the Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995. So just to refresh those or introduce those who may not necessarily know what all this has to do with um, what's taking place in um, uh, the state of Israel, let me just um, pull up some information for you. So according to uh, Wikipedia, um, of course, there are different sites, but this one was a little bit more quick for uh, the show. So uh, wikipedia.org uh, states that the Jerusalem Embassy Act of 1995 is a public law of the United States passed by the post-Republican Revolution 104th Congress on October 23, 1995. The proposed law was adopted by the Senate, 93 votes to 5, and the House 374 votes, 37 votes. The act became law without a presidential signature on November 8, 1995. And that's pretty interesting. 
the act became a law without presidential signature. So keep that in mind while we're um, going into this. And it also states that the act recognized Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel and called for Jerusalem to remain an undivided city. It, it, its purpose was to set aside funds for the relocation of the embassy of the United States in Israel from its location in Tel Aviv to Jerusalem by May 31st, 
because when you have a you have a body of people who need to make certain uh, quantum leaps such as this one, and I call it a quantum leap because um, as much as it's a political uh, battle, it is a spiritual battle too. You know, we're living in what a lot of people like to call uh, um, eschatological, you know, eschatological times or end times or uh, apocalyptic times or uh, revelations and things like that. So there's a whole lot of things going on on, you know, this planet that we um, are, you know, witnessing before our eyes. But, again, the question is, you know, the legal force. What is the legal force behind this move? And in this scenario, it is the um, it is the Jerusalem Embassy Bill of 1995. Now, I said legal force. That's the you know that's that power or that validity that is going to help someone do something in law or do something. In commerce, um, I can't necessarily whether it would be legal or illegal, but nonetheless, it would help you to be. It would help you to be able to do something, especially if you're doing it as a body of people. Um, I took the time out to actually um, look up the word legal force, as it would be, you know, uh, aiding to my particular discussion this afternoon. Now, when I went to freedictionary.com, they did not give me the exact definition of legal force, but they rerouted me to something called validity. Validity, um, in this case, as a matter of fact, let me go to legal dictionary first and then now. Okay. So I'm going to read the word validity from two different uh, sources. One is um, uh, legal dictionary and the regular dictionary on a site called thefreedictionary.com. And um, in the legal dictionary, they have uh, synonyms like authenticity, authority, correctness, force, forcefulness. Remember that word force, that driving force, behind anything that you aspire to do, as long as it's within the bounds of law, so to speak, and something that's going to give you a benefit because you don't want to do anything in vain. You understand what I'm saying? Your force, the end goal of any force or any legal force is uh, um, a benefit and a benefit for the common will of the people. So, Moving forward, um, they have other different um, words like uh, gravitas, lawfulness, legal force, legality, legitimacy. Now, I'm going to read the word validity from the regular dictionary. Now, that was the legal dictionary. And it states here, and it reads as follows. The, de- the definition for the word validity here would be something that's well-grounded, something that's just, a valid objection. Uh, number two, producing the desired results. Uh, remember, 
the end the end goal for any legal force is a benefit that is conducive for the common will of the people. So you don't want to do anything in vain. And um, they also have it written as logic. <laughs> Valid, something that's logical. Okay? And law is logical. There's, there may be some laws that may be um, abstract to people because they're like, well, why would that be lawful? And it would be lawful for a reason that would be, uh, pertain to some type of universal truth. All law comes from some universal truth that's being practiced over and over and over again. But nonetheless, um, in terms of logic, they have it uh, categorized as two containing premises from which the conclusion may be logically derived or um, B, correctly inferred or deduced from a, parent, uh, a premise. Or another way to say it is correctly inferred or um, reasoned or deduced from, an, uh, from reason or reasoning. So something that's based on logical reasoning, this is where you get validity. And if something is based on logical reason, then you can use that as a binding force to aid you in getting something done that's lawful. And again, the end goal of legal force is to uh, achieve the benefit that is conducive to the common will of the people, of which you know, it's uh, of which it is supposed to be uh, used for. So, oh, and there's some um, there's some uh, maxims that I want to introduce to us while we're uh, listening on the call in regards to legal force, but uh, it'll show up under the word valid, uh, validity or valid. But let me go back to the legal dictionary. So. There are some foreign phrases um, or maxims of law. Maxims is just another way of saying proverbs or universal truths or uh, similitudes, things of those uh, things of those nature. But um, uh, and most of what they call maxims are written in law Latin, or which is a law language, so to speak. And one of them uh, will say something like this. Quad in minori valet valevit in mahori. Et quod in mahori non valet nec valevit in minori. Which translates in English as that which is valid in the greater shall be valid in the less. And that which is not valid in the greater shall not be valid in the less. Again, going back to what I said a few minutes ago, the end goal of any legal force is a benefit that is conducive for the common will of the people. You do not want to do anything in vain. So if you go to court and you try or you write a petition and then take it in the court but you don't have a desired effect, you have any prayer and aid, you don't have anything of which the uh the petition is merited, you're going to lose. 
and especially if you don't have any premises for why you're taking your, your petition to court, you're going to lose. So you may not necessarily want to go to court. Or let's say, for instance, if you want to borrow some money from someone, you write out a long, you know, essay or whatever it is that you, you know, feel you need to say in order to get that money from whoever it is you're trying to borrow it from. But nonetheless, what you're saying is not, it's not a, there's not a benefit for either party. It's not a benefit for you, and it's not a benefit for the person who's investing in you with the money, because you haven't given them a you haven't given them a real reason of why you necessarily needed the money. It's not clear. It's unsound. There's no logical reason for you to get the money. Your reason in the in the you know essay or whatever it is, a petition or whatever it is, maybe I just want the money because I want to do some things. Well, that's not a reason. You need to give someone a sound reason on why it is that you want to borrow something or why you want to have something. And if you want to take it up a notch, you can have uh, like groups like Black Lives Matter. They will be they would be a lot more prolific, and the way that they do things, because it, it it seems like it's a grand platform for quote-unquote social issues, but from what has happened, you know, you know, we have a lot of, there's a lot of people, but many, what it appears to be, there's not a lot of thinkers, because with that many people, they should be able to do, they should get a lot of things done. I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't follow Black Lives Matter, so I don't want to speak you know, too much on what I don't know about them. But I can say this. If they wanted to be a force to, you know, if they want to be a force to be reckoned with and they really want to get in, you know, these um, these uh, lobbyists and these these congressmen's butt, if they really wanted to get some, you know, some things moving and shaking, then what they can do is they can take whatever it is that they have as a complaint and use the law is there, use, uh, you know, different um, uh, organizing techniques that will allow them to meet these lobbyists halfway and get certain bills passed. Now, that's power. That power only comes with legal force. And again, the end goal of legal force is to have a benefit that's conducive for the common will of the people. So when we look at all of the things that are happening to our people, why we feel um, that there's so much oppression, why we feel that there is this system of racism put in place, or why we feel like we're in a system where we cannot necessarily achieve quote-unquote greatness is because we we don't recognize the power in 
legal force. But let me make this distinction. We don't recognize the power and legal force as a body of people. Because when you, it's one thing to use legal force as an individual. There, I mean, I'm pretty sure there could, there's some things that you can get done. But just imagine if you had a whole body of peach, people with, with sound reasoning skills, people who actually had a uh, common goal for what it is that they were, quote, unquote, complaining about, or who petitioned certain factions for justice and demanded by law with legal force the result that they so, so you know, so much, you know, desired. Could you imagine what can happen? Could you imagine what kind of power a person can have but that power must also come from within, too. Power comes in comes from confidence, confidence in your ability to reason, confidence within your ability to relate, to have some type of accountability, uh, the power to recognize that in order to have something, this is something that... Uh, my email said to me and a couple of my brothers sometime before that recognizing that the only way you'll have success in life is that if you give up something that's important to you for the great for the greater good of your people, that's success. We want success. We got to realize what it is that we're sacrificing and what we're willing to sacrifice in order to make those strides in law and government and commerce and any other thing we pursue. Because I think that's, those are the, the elements of life that we feel the most neglected by the people that we give our tax dollars to, the people that we voted for, uh, the people that we entrust with our uh, political values, and we feel, or for, I guess you could say, for the most part, we feel like the system is designed to fail us. I would say to the people who feel and, you know, feel that way, that look at what you have in terms of the situation that I mentioned earlier, the quote-unquote state of Israel, who with the aid of the United States President Trump, who, by the way, they actually actually made a coin in reference to him, and they put his face on the coin with Cyrus. King Cyrus was one of the kings of Persia during the time of um, uh, the time after the Babylonian uh, Empire, of which the Persians conquered. They were able to help Israel establish the Second Temple, and the 
uh, Israelites who have been mistakenly, historically mistaken to be called Jews, um, they thank Cyrus the Great for that. And today, these people who are masquerading as us, to a certain degree, have likened uh, President Trump to Cyrus the Great. And in honor of his loyalty to them, they, um, they created a coin. You know, I'm just going to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I just wanted to kind of point that out that, you know, when you look at what the state of Israel is able to do with within the bounds of law and what they've been managed what they've managed to accomplish within the seventy eighty plus years they've been over there i I'm not sure exactly how long I actually lost count um and I may just be a little bit ill informed about it, but nonetheless um I'm just looking at all that they've been able, you know, to do with the aid of um, a foreign president through the law and some of what has transpired can can be considered as illegal. But I'm not what I let me also set the 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 stage for this. So with legal force, there's all there's obviously um one one road you want to travel with legal force. You always want to do good. But it's the duality of the person that makes legal force either uh, a benefit or a detriment. Legal force is no different than somebody having a gun and going out and shooting someone with it and saying, I, you know, am not responsible, you know, I'm not responsible for it. Or, no, let me take that back. Legal force is actually no different than the person who has the gun and going out and shooting somebody. What you choose to do with the gun is really up to you. That does not make the gun, uh, I guess you could say, the responsible party, so to speak, because the gun necessarily is not the power. The gun behind the hand or in the hand of the person who is using it, that's the power. And... When you look at how the end game of that is, that person who used that gun to do ill will, they go to jail. So I guess you can say in this scenario, when we're using legal force, again, the end game of legal force is to create a benefit that's conducive for the common will or for the good of the common will or the common will of the people. You want people to be able to benefit from sound judgment. Now, I'm not necessarily sure what the end game is for the United States setting up an embassy in Israel, 
but it's one favor with the uh, with the state of Israel. So, uh, you know, we can take that as a grain of salt. But again, that's the that's an end game that we recognize right now. So, when we are looking for a remedy in terms of what can we do to better ourselves in this uh, situation that we call American oppression? Well, I have been, you know, blessed to be a part of a body of people who for, for quite some time now have been forging relationships based on a common understanding of how to govern ourselves according to universal principles, ancient universal principles, you know, um, by the way, and learning how to take those universal principles and create our own reality. Understanding that Rome is not built in a day, nothing is built in a day, and that all and everything is always handled in stages or commences in stages or grows in stages, we can we can build something together. And I've been blessed to, you know, be a part of an organization that has helped me to understand what our call what I have seen and have called oppression, and now I guess you can say being a player in a basketball game, so to speak, I look at our situation as being a uh, player in a basketball game, and you're playing against someone in their home court. The first thing, you know, I used to say, is, well, I don't want to play by those rules because those are white people's rules. And not realizing that it's not the white people's rules that's going to help you win the game. It's the rules that's going to help you win the game. Because what I realize, again, is law is universal. It is the universal principle that shapes our reality whether it be good or bad. And one thing I realized, uh, another thing I realized in life is that, you know, everything that we question about our reality can be summed up with the aid of the law. So these practical roles of um, not making enough money on her job or um, being mistreated, you know, by um, the, the police authorities, um, being, um, quote-unquote, racially profiled or being mistreated by a restaurant because I may be, quote-unquote, black or things like that. You know, the answer simply is in legal force. Now, it will behoove those who are using the legal force to take it and plan around that 
you know, that legal force, basically saying, what do you plan on doing with it? What is the overall goal of you using, you know, the law? I think for most people, it appears that in our situation, the end goal is to bring about some type of justice. But justice comes to those who give. So you have to be, again, you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. That is a fundamental truth. You cannot escape that. You treat people how you want to be treated. And if you treat people wrong and then you expect to be treated right, then you have therefore have defunct and taken legal force and made it to be something that's not universal, but you have turned it in a form of self-righteousness, and it gets you nowhere. But again, if you take legal force and let's say I want to get some type of remedy in terms of the way that our people are being treated in a restaurant, well, one of the ways of uh, uh, using legal force is you can take legal force and find out how to create your own establishment, how to build your own business, how to create your own restaurant so that you can generate your own revenue. That is a form of a benefit that's conducive for the common will of your people because then you can put that you can put that business in your neighborhood and you can keep the money that the people who are being oppressed, quote-unquote, you can keep that in your neighborhood. Now, a lot of people may take that as a sign of separatism. Good. Good. That means you're paying attention. But nonetheless, just because we choose to live separately does not mean that we have to hate the people around us. Don't equate separatism with hate because that's not the case, and that's not the end result of you separating from a people. You want to be able to live amicably amongst people and do business with them, but do understand that you want to have a sense of self. You want to be able to identify yourself, and you can't identify yourself in constant confusion. It's not healthy and it's not sound. But it's now 35 minutes after 6. I do want to leave you guys with this. And I thought this was pertinent to my discussion about legal force because it shows or gives hope to what we can do as a people who are aspiring to change what we feel to be oppression in this house of pain. Um, one of the um, stories that I found pertinent to this particular discussion was the additions of Esther. Now, for those who may not be familiar with the additions of Esther, it is one of the middle books um, of what we know as the 1611 King James Bible. And the name of the middle books is the Apocrypha. But within the middle books, you have the addition of Esther, which takes on uh, the story of um, 
Benjamite princess or Benjamite queen, I'm sorry, by the name of Esther, who helped to save her people from being killed by a national decree made by a man by the name of Haman, who, um, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong, was uh, uh, an Amalekite. I think that's what he was. But in the editions of Esther, they have him written as a Macedonian who was a stranger to the bloods of the Persians. But nonetheless, um, in the end, he met his fate. And I want to read a particular part of this story um, because it's going to give you an idea of what we or what a person who considers to um, to understand about our society and how to move what they feel would be remedy or what we can do. Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, all of the things that are in this particular excerpt that I'm about to read should be practiced nonetheless, but I'm giving us some idea of how legal force can benefit a nation. And it reads as follows. So this is the excerpt. And hold on for just a second. Here it goes. Now this is Esther chapter 17, verse 9 and 1. And it reads as follows. Now, in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put in execution, in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary, that the Jews had rule over them that hated them. The Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the of the king Ahasuerus to lay hand on such as sought their hurt and no man could withstand them for the fear of them, them being the Jews, fell upon all the people and all the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and the officers of the king helped the Jews. Now let me stop for just a second. Now you have the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and the officers of the king. By the way, the king being Cyrus, and he had control over 100 and I think 29 provinces in this uh, relation to this particular story. He was ruler over 129 provinces. Could you imagine being a body of people who who felt oppression and 129 provinces, basically being spread out in those provinces, having by the order of the courts of the king to wreak vengeance on the people who who harassed you by will of policy and rule. Man, that's powerful. 
and to have aid from the lieutenants and the deputies and the officers of the king as paramount. And it reads as follows. Help the Jews because they fear, because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai became greater and greater. Thus the Jews beat all their enemies with the stroke of the sword and slaughter and destruction, and did what they would unto those that hated them. And in Shushan, the palace, the Jews slew and destroyed 500 men. And Parshendatha and Dalphon and Astatha and Poratha and Adalia and Aridatha and Parshmishta and Arishai and Aradai, Aizatha and ten sons of Haman, the son of Amedatha, the enemy of the Jews, slew they basically saying they slew uh, Haman, and, uh, the, who was the son of uh, Amedatha. But on the spoil, they laid not their hand, spoil being the prisoners of war. The ten, the ten, wait, I'm sorry, on that day, the number of those that were slain in Shushan, the palace, was brought before the king. And the king said unto Esther the queen, the Jews have slain and destroyed 500 men in Shushan, the palace the ten sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? Remember that word, petition. And it shall be granted thee. Or what is your request further? And it shall be done. And it reads as follows. This is uh, uh, verse, uh, This is. I'm sorry, not chapter 17. This is chapter 9, verse 13. I'm sorry. So where did they have it organized on the computer? Um, chapter 9, verse 13. Then said Esther, if it pleases the king, let it be granted to the Jews which are in Shushan to do tomorrow also according unto this day's decree. And the Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. And the king commanded it to be done commanded it so to be done. And the decree was given at Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons. For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the 14th day also of the month of Dar, and slew 300 men at Shushan. But on the prey they laid not their hand. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives, and had rest from their enemies and slew of their foes 75,000, but they but laid not their hands on the prey. So this is just an example of what would happen in terms of a nation or a body of people who aspire change or justice in their community to come together and decide to use legal force to back a complaint in the case of Esther and her people, who in the scripture are known as Jews, but they are Israelites, um, particularly the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. And this is the result of using legal force. I'm not saying that legal force legal force 
can only be used in that way. This is just an example. And I wanted to rest in our minds that there is power in us to do any and everything that we want. And that's by natural law. We've all been invested with that power to do what we want to do. But we need to have a form of self-control and discipline to achieve something better for our society, something that's going to benefit us as a whole, something that's going to be good for all of us. But that can only come if we are good to ourselves, our bodies, and if we are good to the people that we see every day, our brothers and our sisters, our women and our men and our children, our daughters and our sons and our offspring. If we are good to each other, there's so much that we can do. We cannot continue to sell ourselves on, well, if we continue to vote Democratic or Republican, things will get better. We're not getting justice that way. You not you must not continue to put all your eggs in that particular basket when you have every when you have every right to do for yourself that you allow someone else to do for you. And understand that legal force is a benefit to everyone, not just you. But do understand that you have a choice in using legal force. And that is, you can either use it as a benefit or use it as a detriment, but understand that there are consequences behind every action. But your end goal should be a benefit because that benefit, again, is going to be conducive to the common will of your people. This is Shadrach the First. Thank you for joining me this evening. For those in the future, my podcast is only and always going to be for the betterment of our people. I love you, dear, and your brother is signing off. Shalom, shalom.